And I'm going to pull up some characteristics eventually that really now boil down, that transduce and translate into your daily Christian life of this present-day church. But I want to first lay out this foundation here that we may all be on the same page and time not being on our side, beloved. He says, straight means a reliable route. Straight means direct. That's why direct. This other definition of straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, for which the Lord deliberately uses it to address the church, this other meaning is very powerful. It is also the reason sometimes you find that in your modern-day English, they say, okay, so they, they convert in the quickness of this time, the instant generation we are, where the instant popcorn, you know, instant McDonald's, what, I mean, just these instant foods and instant life, WhatsApp and Twitter and what, there's no process. They want it and want it now. So in that way, they are sometimes used straight, long straight, which is S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, to represent this. But they have derived it from this other meaning. Where straight means direct. And in this way, you know, the Lord was developing a kind of prefiguration, an imagery. He was painting a picture about the direct route into the salvation he brought us. The salvation that leads us when you are saved, finally, to heaven. Salvation means when you enter heaven eventually. In other words, the Lord was implying also that he was talking about, talking to his church, about the unwavering route to Christian salvation, unwavering style to Christian salvation, unwavering Christian lifestyle, unwavering Christian salvation. How beautiful, beloved people. And I have many examples for you, beloved people, at this hour. I have many examples because I have taught from New Zealand, Gisborne, New Zealand, all the way through to Australia, up to the tips of, uh, of Finland, throughout Africa, South Korea, down all the way into the other side, the West down. The issue is very simple. I've always talked about the treasures of the ancient church. I've always laid before the nations of the earth and before the church of Christ that the first primitive church presents an almost, you would think, an insurmountable challenge to this present-day modern church. Why? In their conduct, in their practice of worship, in their worship experience, and in their Christian salvation. And so the example I draw for you here, beloved people, is that the souls and the salvation of the first century church can be used now to emulate, to bring to bear, to exalt, when the Lord says the word straight, enter ye in at the straight gate, meaning a reliable route, meaning a reliable gate, a direct gate. He's saying a gate that is not wavering, that is straight, that is, is clear, straight line, beloved people, unwavering. Then I said, look at the souls of the first church and their salvation of the first century church, beloved people, the primitive church. You could say that their soul was too straight and narrow for it to be manipulated by any form of worldliness or modernism. People were slaughtered, translating the Bible. 
People say it. To die is to go be with Christ. So I'd rather go. People stood. They preached. When you look at the primitive church, they were zealous. They preached Christ Jesus crucified and Christ Jesus resurrected. The holy Jesus. The holy salvation, beloved people. The righteous way. So then you see that now this definition of straight really fits fits their paradigm, fits their definition, beloved people. Reliable salvation, a reliable route to salvation, a direct route to salvation, an unwavering, an unwavering route to salvation, beloved people. So when the Lord used this, when he was addressing the elect, that is you tuned in now globally, and we don't know how many millions of people are tuned in, just Kenya alone, we don't know how many millions are tuned in. But I'm saying, when the Lord used the straight gate in King James, it spoke much, it bespoke so much, when he was describing those that follow him to heaven, the route that goes to heaven. In other words, you can now see that there was a serious instruction to how Christian salvation ought to be practiced, beloved people. So, in looking at the straight gate, the doctrine of the straight gate, S-T-R-A-I-T, Jesus said the following then, beloved people, enter ye in at the straight gate. Remember, that is our lead scripture. And number one, Jesus essentially meant that this way, this straight gate is the one that leads to life. Meaning even as you live on the earth here, if you walk this way, you get life. You receive life, the life of Christ, the life of God. Number two, it leads to eternal life, beloved people. Number three, he said, it's a narrow and restricted gate. So the movements there at in that straight, in that gate, in that way, in single file, you can imagine. Single direction. I've given the example of the ship. The big vessel that is crossing through the Strait of Wu in the sea. It leads to heaven, beloved people. The Lord Jesus was essentially presenting himself before the church and addressing himself to the church about the characteristic of the Christian salvation that he brought the church. In other words, he was saying, The salvation I bring you that delivers you, that successfully, that is able to bring you to heaven to eternal life, is a salvation that has some difficulty and route, and route, if you wish, that has difficulty on the road. He was beginning to warn the church that when you receive me as your Lord and Savior, you would have to encounter some difficulty. It is a difficult route, the straight gate. Use, the word straight, the Lord uses to deliver, to score that to the church. It is a difficult route. He essentially, therefore, as we try to wind down this first section, beloved people, he essentially spoke to his church in tremendous ways, and he was talking to them about entering heaven. And he was saying, listen, beloved people, he was saying that entering heaven is not going to be easy at all. I, how can you say such a thing? a modern church that I see in the present age, that I'm seeing in this day. This, as you are going to see, is a complete contra 
of the teachings that the present day church is giving. That's why I wanted to come to you in the workplaces, in your marketplace. So essentially the Lord meant to inform the church that entering heaven will not be easy at all. It will be difficult. How can you say that? How can you say that to a church that has told the contrary? So the Lord Jesus, the one that brought the covenant of the grace, the messenger that came to bridge us, to bridge us, to bridge fallen men with holy eternal God, the immortal God, mortal men, perishable men, corruptible men, to bridge men, men and women of course, but the Bible addresses men, to bridge them to their eternal, immortal, imperishable, glorious God, holy God, righteous King. When he was addressing himself, when he brought that covenant of grace, and he was addressing himself to the church, that is what the Lord said. He said essentially that entering heaven will be not an easy task. It is going to be a difficult task. It will not be easy at all to enter heaven. The one that owns the church, the one that died for the church, that knows the salvation he gave, he was addressing himself in this thesis when he made an application before the church and he presented himself before the church and then he made the deposition of this thesis. In his thesis, he says the following, that entering heaven is not going to be an easy task at all. In other words, it's going to be a difficult task. Now we can see why I am coming to you at this time, beloved people. Because the reason I come to you is because he made me know that this is the complete departure. You know that I've gone all over the globe rebuking the church for their apostate practice, for their teachings that will not have power of deliverance. It is now true that the teachings of the Lord have tremendous power of healing and deliverance. Look at the more than 300 cases plus. We've not even reached all of them. The radio station is occupied. It is fully booked until Friday. Every bishop wants to come on board. They're saying their miracle that took place was the biggest. A cripple stood up and walked. Legs were like a rope. A weak neck of a baby that could not support the head became strengthened. When the man of God decreed that now I lift up my left prophetic hand and I decree the power of God, this righteous hand of God, I lift it up that the power of God visit you. And you see how there was tremendous healing up to Tampere, Finland, where a brain, a new brain was created in unmarried. Dyslexia. Everybody knows nobody with dyslexia can ever be cured. There is no pill. And Finland is a top country with the best medical facilities. And she could not read, even the signpost. But now she's reading the Bible on YouTube, on WhatsApp, on Facebook, on Twitter, ever since the Lord healed her and gave her a new brain. So yes, it is true that the teachings of the Lord have power. They have power to heal and deliver. Look at the many creepers and blind that have walked, the deaf ears that are now too sensitive in Kenya right now. And so, I'm saying this in the context of the fact that the Lord in his deposition, when he says, enter ye in at the straight gate. And then I have broadened it for you. I have brought it to your attention 
that the word straight was deliberately used by the Lord to underscore certain key features about the Christian walk. And I said, my last point was, the Lord Jesus was essentially bringing it to the church, his own church, that entering eternity, entering heaven, eternity with God, will not be an easy task at all. That's why he said, enter ye in at the straight gate. He did not say the white gate to enter heaven. No, he said the straight gate, the narrow gate, beloved. And I say the reason I bring this to you is the fact that this becomes a complete departure from the doctrine that the present day church is teaching. They are teaching something else. They are teaching that it is easy to enter heaven. And yet the Lord Jesus himself, the owner of salvation, the owner of the church, he is telling us here that it is not easy to enter heaven except that you adhere to certain key things en route on this route, which I'm going to bring to you. It is tremendous, beloved people, that the present-day church can teach something else. And that is, by the way, the entire difference now between what the Lord teaches, the Holy Spirit teaches, and what mankind, the world, the churches in the world, now, man, man teaches. They are teaching that entry to heaven is easy. And yet now in this thesis here, the Lord made a serious deposition when he said that the doctrine of entry is governed by the fact that en route, Entry into eternity of heaven is not going to be easy. This then now becomes the trickiest part of Christian salvation in these last evil days, then, beloved people. That is why I really long to come to you, that when you walk out, you are in the know. You are now aware. You are aware of the requirements on eternity, of eternity, of heaven of God the Father. He says, by using the word straight, enter ye in at the straight gate, our lead scripture, Matthew seven thirteen and 14. In other words, the Lord was now underscoring to this generation, to this dispensation, that this is going to be the trickiest part of Christian salvation in these dark days. The fact that the Lord Jesus and he teaches us that entry into heaven is not going to be easy. He that came to deliver us into heaven. And yet, the present day church is teaching that entry is easy. Today's modern prosperity churches, you know what they teach. They are teaching that the way to heaven is easy. They are full in Nairobi, Kisumu, Katsumega, everywhere you can enter and hear them you just sit in there for five minutes and you hear the narrative a complete departure from what the Lord told beloved people he told that salvation would require adherence to certain steps because it's steps specifications of God the present day church is teaching an easy salvation a cheap grace that has no cost, that is abusable, beloved people. They put it almost in that form. 
they teach today that all you need is to be saved and believe in Jesus, then you enter heaven. And yet we now see that the Lord Jesus himself, he teaches the contrary. The Lord is teaching the contrary to what they are saying. They are saying all you need is to be saved and believe Jesus, and you go to heaven. And yet you and I know that this is what the Lord told. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. This is now what the Lord told. That is a complete departure from what the present-day pastors teach. And I will explain to you why they teach so. And I will also come in my objective today to come to a place where I also explain to you how then, how come then there are people walking the broad road with all this information at our disposal. So Matthew chapter 24, we are now looking at what Jesus told, which is a complete departure from what the present day church is teaching. All you need is to be saved, believe Jesus, and you'll enter heaven. And the Lord says in this thesis of Matthew chapter 7, 13, 14, that that is not true. There are certain things. There is a certain part of self-denial that must come to you if you are the beholder of this expensive salvation that cost him the ultimate price. Matthew 24, I'm reading 36 on, he says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 37, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Messiah, at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the earth. You can see that verse 38 right away describes the white road which the present-day church is teaching, the white road, the easy life, where there is no gospel duty. You are born again, and the gospel does not lay on you any duty owing to the salvation, the weight of the salvation you behold. Verse 39, beloved people, he says, verse 39, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the floods came, and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So this is what Jesus told. It is written in red in your Bible. In other words, Jesus said that if anybody is to receive the salvation he brought and enter into the final ultimate, the ultimate objective of the salvation, which is eternity with God, then he said the following, you must walk the narrow road that Noah walked. And yet the present day church, your modern, postmodern churches of prosperity, they are all over Nairobi and all over Kenya and the whole world, South Africa, Nigeria, whatever, France, Spain, whatever. They are telling you that no, it is easy to walk on the white road and enter. And yet Jesus the Lord, the owner of the church, talked something else. He told something else. He instructed something else. Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 to 18. 
what Jesus told when he says, Enter ye in at the narrow gate, beloved people. Genesis chapter 6, I read it right away. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 on. Look at what he says, beloved. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his generation, of his time, and he walked with God. In other words, the character of Noah is similar, that's what he's saying here. The character of Noah is similar to the character of Enoch. Enoch went to heaven without ever seeing death. To simplify, to exemplify, to give us the example of the fact that God's salvation indeed, when you obey and adhere to his righteousness, it delivers mortal men to the immortal eternal kingdom of heaven with God. And he goes on to say, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt, he says, in God's sight, and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. And we see the same happening today. So God said to Noah, I am going to put to an end all the people for the earth is filled with violence. Because of them, I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Verse 14, Genesis 6. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make room in it and coat it with pitch inside and outside. And you know, I have taught this so much. I've taught this across the nation, even in Finland, Sweden, everywhere, even in this country. I have said that the instruction that the mother of Moses received, that you see in Exodus chapter 1 and 2, that instruction, and I bless the Lord for studying in Israel for seven years, I was able to see this, the ark, when the mother of Moses received the instruction to build that basket, in Hebrew, the basket is called an ark. That's why you see, she received the same instruction as what Noah received. That use pitch, use pitch to make sure it's waterproofed and lay the baby on the basket. The same instruction. And once you lay the baby on the basket in the river, then surely the baby now is totally and completely in the hands of God. Man has nothing to do with it. The same with Noah. When they entered the earth and the rain came and the flood began and the earth began to sail, they were now totally, absolutely and completely in the hands of God and God alone. But let's move on, beloved people. He says, build it with pitch inside and out. Verse 15, he says, this is how you are to build it. The earth is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the earth, and he says, and finish the earth to within 18 inches of the top Put the door in the side of the earth, make lower, middle, and upper decks. Verse 17. I am going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature, in other words, that he created, that has breath of life in it. And he goes on and on. That is what Jesus told. And then you see, 
Genesis 6.22, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. That is what Jesus taught in this thesis of Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 18. He taught obedience. He said, look, the journey to heaven does not only involve, it will not be achieved. You will not enter heaven. In other words, you are a dreamer if you think that you're going to get saved and believe in Jesus and enter heaven. Only that. He said, no, there is work. He's talking about work. He's talking about Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. To work out your faith in fear and trembling, beloved people. The designer of our faith, the author and finisher of our faith, he taught something totally contrary to what you see being taught on Christian TV. The cheap grace, the cheap, you know, all this you hear, the prosperity churches teaching. The Lord essentially said, enter ye in at the straight gate. And in that deposition of his thesis, he presented the doctrine of entry. And in that doctrine, he said, on route, on route, en route, en route to heaven, you are going to have to, have to, to, to engage some self-denial of certain things. You are going to be gospel-bound, gospel-duty-bound. The gospel is going to bring some duty to you of self-denial. You are not going to be in prophylaxis. You are not going to be in a situation where you, you can do what you want. On this road, I am pointing you that enters life, enters heaven. And you see that the Lord God Almighty, who is so powerful, omnipotent, he could have built the ark for Noah. He could have simply built the ark for Noah. Or he could have told Noah, go to a certain mountain, I will make sure the water does not reach there. Because I have found you righteous in this generation. But the Lord engaged Noah in constructing the ark, in building so many feet, so many decks, open the door here, put the roof here. What? Because in that process, he wanted to work out a relationship, a worship relationship with Noah, owing to where he's taking Noah after the flood. Hey, how powerful that this unveiling can come to the church. The Lord opened this up now. He's saying he had to engage Noah. He could have built the ark for Noah. He could have put Noah in a place where the water will not come. But he wanted a worship relationship. He wanted to inculcate, to cultivate an increased obedience, to test the obedience of Noah. And remember, Noah built the earth for the entire of his life on the earth. 120 years under ridicule, mockery, and slander. That is what Jesus told, that even now there is so much wildness evil, wickedness. The whole world is full of violence, like in the days of Noah. And he said to his own church in this thesis that enter ye in at the narrow strait, narrow gate, because he wanted the church to begin to work out her salvation in fear and trembling. He wants to test the faith, 
and the obedience of those that get to enter heaven. This was the instruction of God. He did not tell them what you see the present day church saying. The white gate. Philippians chapter 2, beloved people, verses 12 to 13. The book of Philippians chapter 2, 12 to 13. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Earth. Very powerful, beloved people. So, the present-day church is teaching that all you need to do is be saved, believe Jesus, and you'll enter heaven. Why those are important steps, but the Lord Jesus teaches something else, contrary to what they are teaching, the cheap grace, the white road, the easy way. The Lord is saying, it is not going to be easy for you to enter heaven. However, if you enter this way, then I will help you there. I'm coming to that then. There is a narrow road with difficulty, a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenges to surmount. The same thing you see in Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 to 5, when he told Moses, I am going to pour down some manna for you, but you are to tell the Israelites to come out and come and pick manna. And each man, each family, is to pick according to the number of people in the tent. And then he says that an omer for each. And then he goes on to say that they are to pick and not to keep for the second day. However, on the sixth day, they are to carry, they are to take double even for the Shabbat, the next day, the Sabbath. And then he says, in this way, at this place, again, I will test Israel. I will test their obedience. And you can see there are so many failures. They failed the test in big ways. Some people out of the famine, on day one, they began to carry for two days. You could see that now he tested their obedience to his word. Some of them, and then it rotted, it smelled bad. And then you, there was a lot of maggots in the camp and all this. But that is the same thing I'm talking about here that Jesus taught. Jesus taught that the grace that comes, the grace he brings us, number one, you have to receive it first, accept it first, and then receive it, and then work your obedience and trust. Jesus told the salvation he brought involves the processing of the believer, to process you. And you see, the present-day church does not want to engage their members, the Christian believers who have received Jesus, through a processing, because, wow, they fear that you'll jump out of the church. It will be bitter for you. It will be difficult for you. And yet the Lord in his teaching, he presented, enter ye in at the straight gate, the route that has difficulty. In other words, to process the church the way the Lord did it in the wilderness when he removed them from Egypt. In other words, God's processing. In other words, you have to accept it, you have to work it out, in fear and trembling, then you see heaven, not this salvation you see out here, where there is no fear and trembling. The Lord Jesus, by depositing to the church, by presenting this application to the church, 
Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14, he essentially told the church, he told his own church, that there shall not be many people walking the straight gate and the narrow way. In that thesis, that comes out very clearly. In other words, he's saying, the church that receives his salvation in this age and beholds his salvation, they carry wale ambao wamebeba uokovu wa Yesu. Amesema kwamba katika mafunzo yake Yesu alisema kwamba kuingia mbinguni itakuwa ni vigumu spokuwa tufanye umakini kabisa tufuatilie agizo lake kwenye lile barabara penye ibonyeza kidole hivi akatuelekeza kama kanisa the lord jesus by saying enter ye in at the straight gate he essentially implied that there shall not be many people going through this gate and walking this way, beloved people, entering through the straight gate and walking the narrow way. But the present-day church teaches something else. They are saying that there will be many people walking, walking and entering heaven, that it is easy. Hey, in other words, he's saying there will be only few people. Look at what King James said. He says, few there be that findeth it. He finishes verse 14. That few people will find it. Hey, this is what Jesus taught, beloved people. And that is the difference between what Jesus taught and what mankind is teaching today in the churches on the Christian, so-called Christian TV, in the churches you see today here. They are teaching that it will be easy. Many people will be there. And yet Jesus is teaching here very clearly in the book of Matthew chapter 7, in this thesis on the straight, the straight and wide gate, he says, verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Hey, he's saying the salvation he brought, because of the requirements it would levy on you that listen to me the Christian believers, it will be unpopular. Only few will be walking on the road that leads to heaven in this day. How powerful. In other words, the Lord was saying he would contradict, because remember you can see, he would contradict the present day church in their teaching, in his rank and file. In other words, 